marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Of research at the Said Business School. I'm Jane Bloomfield. I'm head of business development at Cantor. We are here today joined by Dom Cotton from Cyclo Technology. We are going to spend a little bit of time talking about things like sustainability, urban mobility, and hear a bit more from Dom in terms of what he's been doing. So Dom, welcome. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Fabulous to have you here. Dom, how about we start off with you telling us a little bit about what is Cyclo Technology and uh, what are you doing there? So Cyclo Technology is a business that's trying to come up with innovations, and there's lots of people trying to do that. Our innovations are specifically in the field of urban mobility. So how can we come up with a, a new thing, a new product that enables people to uh, make more sustainable choices as they get around? And predominantly, we're talking about cities, so urban mobility. Because the truth is, and Kantar's uh, Mobility Futures report uh, highlight the the desperation, and that's pretty much the only word I can use among people who live in cities, to have different choices around travelling. Because certainly, and I live in London, it's really hard to get around London, particularly at rush hour. The public transport systems don't work. People are desperate for different ways to get around. So our business is coming up with innovations which support people to make uh, sustainable travel choices, uh, and also enable them to get from A to B in the right amount of time and not be stressed and miserable by the time they get there. So, Dom, give us an example of how this, this works, because um, I suffer from these problems as well. Our first innovation, and I, and I should, should say that we've, we've started with one, our first innovation is a bike helmet. Now, there's plenty of bike helmets around, but ours is a bike helmet which fits in your bag rather than dangles off the back of it. Mm. It's a bike helmet which can accommodate or accompany um, hire bikes because there are lots and lots of hire bikes around the world. Hire bike schemes have gone off the charts, but a lot of people won't ride a hire bike because they don't feel safe on them. In fact, my co-founder, a lad called Josh, 
he rode a hire bike, a Santander bike in London across Waterloo Bridge about 18 months ago and felt terrified because there was a bus and a, you know, a lorry and all the rest of it. And he went, look, I should be on that hire bike because I know it's the right thing to do in terms of the environment and in terms of being active and in terms of reducing congestion. But when I did it, I felt scared. And uh, he, he pitched up to meet me and I was I had my rucksack and I had a, a, um, my regular helmet dangling off the back of my rucksack. And he was like, that must be really annoying. And that was really mm. scary. Can we come up with a solution? So that's where it all began. Mm. And the additional consideration was, how can we make sure that this product is both uh, genuinely, and we're calling it packable, so you can stick it in your rucksack yeah. and have it with you like you would mm-hmm. an umbrella if it, was, if it might rain, that kind of thing. And how can we ensure that the materials we make it from are sustainable? So we are going to make our helmet called the Cyclo One out of recycled ocean plastic as well as recycled landfill plastic. And that is... It's been a real fascinating journey, and hopefully we can have a conversation mm. about that because, you know, it feels like a, 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 an obvious thing to do, mm. an easy thing to do. As it turns out, supply chains require tweaks and amends and, and overhauling in some cases. But that's what we're trying to do. So, so that's the first innovation, and there is very clearly a market for these kinds of products because we've started crowdfunding, we've generated revenue from investors and so on for, for this this idea, and we've heard proactively companies who make these kinds of products packable helmets but helmets that protect people as they get around on bikes and on two wheels have reached out to us you know completely proactively and said that's really cool we we would like to work with you as you develop this product and bring it to market so there's two things that you've talked about that i think are really interesting so i'd quite like to to say let's can we explore them in a little bit more detail one is that idea of how do you create something that allows people to kind of just be quite flexible yeah. and on the go right so so you know the idea of this foldable collapsible mm. helmet i think is is really clever because i think the fact is increasingly people do want to be sustainable and they do want yeah. to to approach different yeah. ways of, of transport certainly in really really big cities but it does involve a little bit of planning sometimes do you know sure. and actually mm-hmm. if you've got to carry you know i carry a rucksack around which is increasingly filled with cups you know from a coffee bottles from a water <laughs> yeah, yeah. umbrellas yeah do you know i'm a good scottish girl never leave home without an umbrella <laughs> how do you actually fit all of this stuff in yeah. well i mean certain so, collapsible there are a few similar products on the market and uh, and we don't call that and you use collapsible it's, it's a word that makes me chuckle because I'm like, why do you want a helmet that collapses? So, so we we use the oh, phrase. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm, being, yeah. I'm being pedantic. <laughs> it's not being pedantic. collapsible. You know, no, 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 no. But I know what yeah. you mean. And there are yeah. there are helmets which describe themselves as that. Yeah. None of none of them has has so far kind of engaged many mm. customers in in mm. that sense. So there are four or five products on the market that that seek to do this. The problems that so far that they've encountered, and we got loads of cyclists in a room and we talked to them yeah. about it. And we said, what does it need to do if this is going to work? And they went, well, it's got to be it's got to be simple. Mm-hmm. So it's, and ours is a, a, literally a, a flip and a clip. It's, and I, I should have brought one with me, but it's in the safety testing house at the moment, ensuring that we get our safety certifications. But it's a very simple mechanism. It's also quite cheap. And, and while you don't want to make a, a protective product too cheap because people will think it doesn't work, you need to make it sort of accessible. And it also packs down to a size which you can put in your bag. So there are a number of them on the market which do all these things but they're either over 100 pounds really complicated and they end up the shape of a melon and i don't want to put a melon in my bag i'd rather so ours is the shape of a frisbee essentially so it slides mm-hmm. alongside um, a laptop so that was a consideration for us and i can't claim the because i'm not a designer i'm a former journalist and a charity bloke so uh, you know my background isn't in design so we got a guy who's a designer of, of kind of products and he came up with this brilliantly simple solution if you think of a helmet as a kind of as a half a bowling ball and all that happens is you've got a ball and socket joint on the front and you basically flip it over and the kind of the 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 curved bit sits in the rim 
and mm. and you know uh, so essentially it's a very simple mechanism and every new innovation that's ever been adopted on this planet has got to be simple if you want lots yeah. of people to use it. I mean, that sounds mm. obvious, I know. And we're using a kind of honeycomb structure as well, which again, when we spoke to users, it was all about, ah, oh, honeycomb, that's uh, real associations of safety and security yeah. and mm. strength, but it's also quite lightweight. Yeah, so it's been, an, for me, I mean, this is my, I won't say my hundredth career, but it's probably my fourth career. Mm. And I'm learning new stuff all the time. And, and, and here am I, I'm a cyclist, I've ridden around London for decades now. But, you know, the kind of, the opportunity to, to learn and also ask questions within a sector and and I think this is true in terms of innovation you ask questions which people have been in that for quite a while might not ask because you don't know and in so doing you push people you know certainly in terms of the supply chain the first person we spoke to about this we said look we you know we want to make our our helmet this protected product out of recycled plastic and they went no no not a chance you won't be able to do it so we were like well really you sure about that and we asked a few more people, and there are people innovating. This guy, these innovators, perhaps predictably happen to be in Denmark. And they yes. have come up with a really amazing way of getting fishing nets out of the sea and processing them in a way that means the plastic that they get, which is recycled, is strong enough to be able to use in protective products like ours. So we're like, that is super cool. But they're a tiny, well, they're quite a big business, but they're very niche and no one knows about them. So, you know, if our product gets to become a mass market product, we can go, you know what, supply chains can change. Mm. And and I guess you guys might have probably heard of this story about Innocent when they, I don't know what it was, 15 years ago, the smoothie manufacturer, they, yeah. they wanted... They kept banging on about their sustainability credentials and all the rest of it, saying we're a, we're a business that cares about the world and all the rest of it. Oh, but hang on, our bottles can't be recycled. Yeah. yeah. And then the, then they went, we can't do it yet, but what we can do is shine a light on the fact we can't do it yet mm-hmm. and yeah. get people to change, which is, which again, you yeah. know, and, and it may take a long time. Supply chains are very complicated. Our supply chain is more complicated than I was aware it was going to be, but it's still relatively simple. So businesses mm-hmm. that can kind of investigate, explore, and innovate. And actually, startups like mine are really good sort of, if you like, you know, reminders to the bigger businesses who've got complex, long-standing supply chains that are hard to change. You know, that if a small business can do it, you need to nudge a bigger business to, to follow suit. Kind of on that nudging point, it's also about consumers. Yeah. And, you know, you're sort of basically building a product that helps break down a barrier to doing something more sustainably. Precisely. Right? And it's not that people are opposed to doing sustainable things. It's just that you know, there are other factors that drive their decision-making as well. And you yeah. sort of say, well, look, you know, if we could kind of crack this helmet issue, mm. because that's the blockage to people you know, riding bikes around the city, then you know what? Maybe we can get more people riding bikes. Sure. And, and so it's a really nice sort of grassroots change it from the bottom up yep, as absolutely. opposed to massive system changes and everything else, which I think are important too. Well, but, they're going on as well in mobility in a massive way. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, you know, I, I was never going to jump in and come up with the platform which made, you know, change public transport. But as a, from my own experience, as a cyclist who rides around London and is slightly annoyed by the helmet that I now get used to carrying with me, <laughs> but, you know, digging around and finding out that the, the, the primary reason why people don't want to cycle in cities, not all cities, because Copenhagen and Amsterdam, they have separate infrastructure and you don't need to wear or you don't need to feel that you've got to wear a helmet. But those are long-standing uh, separated infrastructure. So we're not saying people should have to wear a helmet. What I want to do is give people the chance to feel safe when mm-hmm. they use a bike. And the number one reason why people in this country and many others, America being the, the same, the number one reason why you wouldn't ride a bike or anything, any other form of two-wheel transport in a city like London is because you don't feel safe. Yeah. That may or may not be true, but the perceptions are that you need to have a helmet to feel safe. 
and people don't want to have to carry one with them because it's a ball ache, quite frankly. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think your your point about that shift to people cycling more or taking alternative modes of transport yeah. to cars is really, really interesting. So you mentioned the, the Cantar Mobility mm. Futures work. I mean, we see from that that within the next 10 years, there will be a reduction in people using cars, probably yeah. about 10% yeah. globally. So that's, that's a significant mm. chunk. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the Kantar report is re- is genuinely interesting. I mean, obviously, I was interested from my my business's perspective because it says, as I was saying at the end, loads of people want to change. They just need, and in some cases, big systemic changes to facilitate mm. that. And in other cases, small innovations like ours, which can go, oh, you know what, I can do it now. Getting out of cars, clearly, in many cities around the UK and other places, they're going to try and do all they can to effectively, if not outlaw, they're going to yeah, you they're know, going they're to, going to stop, stop cars. You. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so getting cars yeah. into central. Central London and, and other cities in the in around the world is going to become much more challenging, and I think that's correct. Yeah. And there is this, I think, misplaced fear around footfall in city centres and so on and so forth. Mm. There, because you know, some councils and 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 uh, chambers of commerce will say, yeah, but it reduces you know footfall and well, well you know, businesses will die. Yeah. The evidence doesn't support no. that. The mm-hmm. evidence supports quite the reverse. People mm-hmm. go more regularly into town centres uh, and and do smaller shops. So you, you may not go to the supermarket, but you can do that on the edge of town, yeah. and you go and then you spend a lot more time and it becomes a more people-centric kind of place I think and and certainly in Northern Europe I've mentioned Copenhagen Amsterdam those Mm. kinds of places I think Manchester is 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 having a really good go in this country and London although it's a more complex and multi-layered city and so on and so forth infrastructures Victorian and so on but London is already the parts of London that are becoming like that and just to confirm it around around this this helmet thing it is the first innovation that my business will will come up with and it is one that probably in 10 years time I would go as far as to say I hope it's not necessary in London because London will have changed to the point where you will have separate infrastructure so you can Mm -hmm. ride on a higher bike there's of course the e-bike things becoming big now and and so anyone who doesn't feel that they want to turn up places sweaty or they are not fit enough that's been ticked off because you can turn there's cool innovations now one called switch which you can add to your existing bike for a couple hundred quid and turn your your existing bike into an e-bike so you don't have to break the bank mm-hmm. and all of a sudden if you're feeling tired or you whatever you can you can get from a to b using your your bike which becomes an e-bike scooters in this country may have seen this um, discussions a couple of weeks ago around legislating to make them legal because they're not legal in this country at the moment in terms of safety so the, the changes are coming uh, they're already happening all over the world and i guess what i want to do with with the business that i've set up is is to kind of is to help people you know make that choice and 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 get around by being slightly active by being um environmentally considerate and reducing congestion i think the other thing you know if you think kind of specifically of a big city like London, actually the reality is that a lot of boroughs are now imposing speed limits of yeah. 20 yeah. miles an hour, yeah. where which you sometimes feel like actually you could walk, you could walk faster, faster. You could. than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would wager you can certainly cycle For faster sure. mm-hmm. than yeah, that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the the work we've done has shown that cycling is actually the fastest growing mode of transport. Yeah. So it's, it's projected to increase 18% in the next 10 years. Yeah. So it feels like it's the right thing yeah. from a societal point of sure. view. But I think I, what I love about your story is just that not only is it encouraging people to to take bikes and, and be a bit more flexible in that way, but the story behind it of how you're creating it, I think is really interesting. Mm. So I'd love for us to just spend a bit more time talking about those challenges that you mentioned mm. in, in a supply chain, because actually I think that's one of the biggest barriers that, that possibly still stop some of this, mm. you know, progression. Yeah. 
so you talked about you know fishing nets in, yeah. in Denmark. How did you even great. find yeah. that sort of? Supplier? Well, I mean the, the the joy of the World Wide Web, or whatever it's called these days. Uh, <laughs> so it's literally yeah. I mean, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, but, but, yeah, but genuinely and yeah. genuinely and, and 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 you know, I followed loads of other startups which are now very successful, and that is the beauty because I've worked for big organisations before, but when now you're working for yourself. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's me and my, hopefully my business partner's mm. 26, so he's, much younger than me so he's got more energy than I have and between us we, 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 nev- we never you know we, nothing and, and I, I don't mean to sound trite but it feels like certainly on a good day that nothing is impossible right so when someone says no and as the first person we spoke to said lately that won't work because A, a B and C we, we, we weren't we're not expert enough necessarily to agree with his rationale even if it's not what you want to hear are you sure that it doesn't feel and, and we were walking around London the other day and we, we were we, were, we just had this call with this guy saying you probably can't do this and uh, we looked up at the shard. We went, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. There's a really ridiculously tall building that someone's built out of the ground. You're telling me <laughs> that we can't solve that problem when they built that. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Uh-huh. So you dig around, you spend a day, and spent some time as a journalist um, working for the BBC. So I'm researching something I Good had to do there. Good research skills. So, you know, um, we, we, we dug about. And... We found this guy, a company called Plastics with an X on the end. See what they've done there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they said, no, no, this is a, your, your project. This is exactly the kind of project we want to be known to be, be associated with. We are innovators um, in plastic extrusion, ocean plastic extrusion. The things I've learned, I'm not sure I can say it now. Can I say we are going to make a helmet from a, a polypropylene copolymer? Well, that's a long word. You did it. It take me a while yeah. to get that right. So... I think we were just determined, and, and, I, and I should say, I'm, I'm speaking like it's happened. It's almost happened. We've still got some final safety certifications to get through. But we feel so optimistic. And you've mentioned there that consumers are on our side, or on yeah. the side of businesses that are doing the right thing. And I think the sort of other side of that is that you have to be transparent. So even if you say, I can't yet do it, but I will, that's good enough as a, as a, as a starting point. You know, if you're going to do it, you've got to be authentic, obviously. But I think many more businesses, and it's easier for startups because you can, you know, you're agile and you haven't got those long-standing mm-hmm. relationships. But I think we need to do that. And 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 clearly, I guess that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is because or this this is the topic today is because sustainability is really important to consumers. Yeah. You know, we you know you don't have to be a card-carrying uh, Green Party member to want to do things in your day-to-day life that that, that protect the world we live in. And I think I'm particularly interested in that changing of consumer behavior. And I think I think we're at the point where the attitude has totally changed. Like almost all consumers basically say, yeah, absolutely. I really want more sustainability in, mm. in the things I buy. 
Where Where is a place, though, for just generating more awareness? Or do, or do we not need that as much anymore? So I'm not sure we need to raise more awareness of this as much as it is about, you know, get people to change behavior. And there are always going to be other factors there, price, convenience, safety, yeah. whatever else mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. So how do we kind of go from just saying, okay, guys, you got you got to be aware of this stuff and, you know, climate change is a real thing and, and we can all do our part type of messaging mm-hmm. to real behavior change, but maybe gently nudging people or, or whatever else. Because I, I think that's, to me, that's where the challenge lies yeah, now. Because everyone's right. saying they, they care about this, yeah. but I still suspect... This is not research-based, but I still suspect that those people that you were mentioning who say they want to buy products that are sustainable, if they were given a choice between something that was just that little bit more sustainable versus something that was a little bit less but cheaper, mm. they're, they're, they're going to I think yeah, I think there's always, a, there's always a challenge there. I mean, I, I, I agree with you, and I think there are many, many campaigns, and perhaps that's one of them. I, I don't know the detail behind it, but perhaps that's one of them that point you in the direction of nothing. So every journey matters. Do the right thing. Get on a bus that's going to be stuck in traffic. Yeah. I'm going to be late for work. I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we've experienced yeah. that today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but so so I think you're right. I think there is a challenge, no question, around turkeys voting for Christmas. And what I mean by that is the sharing economy, which is again, mm-hmm. things, presumably that's something we all know about. You know, so why would a car manufacturer, for example, if we're sticking with mobility, encourage people not to buy more cars? Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not the, you know, that undermines their whole business model. But, but I think the truth is that businesses, and I've, I've got a friend who set up a company called Car and Away, which is about how you can share your car. You know, there are plenty yeah. of cars. Oh, yeah. I think people yeah. need to get comfortable with those kinds of ways of behaving, and that uh-huh. does take some time. But big business needs to come in and join them, if you like. And those businesses that don't, you know, we've, we've, we've had um, the petrol car turning into the electric car, you know, so on and so forth. That's, that's already happening. But, but the, for example, the car manufacturers can still make a very healthy return on, on, on cars. Mm-hmm. We need to get more comfortable with sharing, sharing everything. And, and again, it's, it's hardly, I'm hardly the first person to say that, but I think you're right. I think there needs to be, it needs to be easy to share things. And it's not. There's, there's some other very interesting businesses, another business called Olio. Which is I don't know if you heard of them, but they're, they're very interesting. So any any if you're going on holiday and your fridge is full of food that is probably going to go off mm-hmm. while you're away, you can share it with one of your local with one of your communities. Quite a big mm-hmm. business now, so you sign up. And these are the kinds of things because some people might go, oh, that's a bit icky, you know, whatever. But actually. That's the kind of behavior change and the platforms like that one. There's another new business called uh, Shareware, which is about encouraging, in the first instance, women to consider sharing their clothes because most women's wardrobes don't get worn. You know, so how can we encourage people? And, and I don't think you need to be a kind of uh, an environmentalist to, to want to do these things. Mm-hmm. And the platforms, the kind of and, and the, the tech or whatever, or the, or the products in our case, mm-hmm. needs to be easier to make to allow you to facilitate yeah. making that choice. Um, so I definitely agree with you. Mm-hmm. You can't just run a really cool marketing campaign, which has lots of, you know, which which catch, captures people's imaginations. And, and let's face it, that's what it needs to be an end product the signpost needs to take you to a place where you want to go and when you get there you consume in that way i think yeah no no i think you're absolutely right i think our work has shown that consumers still lack a bit of confidence in in either cities or councils or or manufacturers ability to genuinely deliver something that is sustainable but also quite reliable you know to your point of of bus dramas and, and whatnot 
you've got to be able to rely on it. Yeah. So I think that's that's really interesting. And, and you touched on a point earlier that I kind of wanted to come back to about startups sometimes, you know, being a bit more nimble and agile yeah. and doing this. And, and if you had advice for some of the big brands... Have you, have you got any thoughts on what the big guys can learn? Well, I mean, I, I guess, so what big businesses can do is they can associate themselves with smaller businesses that are making change and say, you know, this is not my hand in the air going for an acquisition just yet for just our yet. business. <laughs> but we've had contact from some quite big businesses oh. in, our, in our world already. But so, so they can champion what smaller businesses are doing. They can put pressure on government. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and again, there's that whole sort of contradiction, and you know, it, it it really depends how authentic a business wants, a bigger business wants to be, because I'm I'm, I'm very well aware that they've got to satisfy shareholders yeah. and all the rest of it. I mean, well, I say I'm not being naive. Maybe I am being naive, but I mean, that is something that that they should be doing proactively before the pressure is turned on them. If you see what I mean. So I think that's a an important thing to do. I think using their their marketing, you know, clout. To say we can't do it yet, but but we'd like to try. So can can we do that? And I, I my guess would be, and again, you, perhaps you guys can 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 tell me whether this is true, is that, that I think even though they're not able instantly to make the change, that if they were saying we're going to, and a lot of businesses have said that, yeah. a lot of businesses mm. have got the roadmap to mm. twenty thirty or whatever, yep. is saying we're going to change, we're going to change, we're going to change. But I mean, I, I think that's a really good place to go, provided. They set aside the act, the budget, and they speak to suppliers and so on, and say, "Look, this is the way we're going to go. Otherwise, if and if you don't come with us, we won't be able to work with you." Seems to me that that's a completely reasonable way to behave mm-hmm. and supporting and 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 helping to shine a light on. And in fact, there are an absolute plethora of incubators and hot houses for small businesses, yeah. which bigger businesses run. And I I believe that that is a very important part of this sort of you know business ecosystem. There's no doubting that for a small business, it's easier to be stealthy and 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 start off you know mm-hmm. build your business around a sustainable model because mm. of course i've got nothing there at the moment right. so i can i can do that as part of the work we've done we sort of asked people what were the innovations that resonated most strongly with them so i'd quite like to put these to you and mm-hmm. get your opinion on mm, them okay. and see what you think yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of them is mobility as a service so this is the concept that integrates multiple transport modes so it could be buses trams mm bikes, all of that sort of stuff, into a single app and ticket that would allow you, a little bit like a super oyster or something, but we'd need to come up with a slightly different name, (laughs) to sort of streamline their transport. What what do you think of that sort of idea? Well, I mean, I think think it's hard to argue with it, Mm. provided the nodes... The interchanges mm-hmm. are good, smooth, and easy to use. So, the, the cyclists or the cycle providers and all that talk about the first and last mile. So, if you live a mile from your station and you get on a train or more of your bus stop, mm-hmm. you know, if you can make it easy to have multiple forms of transport, and and that seems to me to be about the interchange. If you think about mm-hmm. triathlons when you get, and I've only done two. Yeah. But you get, you oh, know, oh, oh, I like well, the way you only casually just I nearly died. I've only done none. Dog, yeah, me too. So, uh, I wasn't saying it's yeah. to talk about my uh, whatever. Yeah. No, I'm saying it's a transition point, and actually the transition between getting off a bike and getting on a train. If it's easy, yes. If it's if it's a nightmare, no. Mm. So I think probably it's about it's about the kind of and I'm not an urban planner, but about how you can make those make the interchange straightforward. I think it's a brilliant idea. I think okay. it's a fantastic well, idea. That that leads on to idea number two, which is about mobility hubs. Right. So to your point of the interchange, mm. these are located in the outskirts of cities. So we talked a little bit about the US and sort of the challenge there, which you imagine is even more 
extreme than than in the UK. If mm. you don't live in a, a in a city, yeah. then actually you do rely on your car. I mean, that's that's the reality. So these are, are located on the outskirts, so they enable commuters to switch from cars into switch from polluting cars. I should say, yeah. it says uh-huh. in the report, boo very hiss, boo hiss. very clearly, to zero emission vehicles like electric buses, e bikes, e scooters, things like that. Do you think that's a, well, a mean, kind of possibility of the future? Yeah, I and mean, they don't sound mutually exclusive. Those two ideas. No. They sound like they might overlap quite a lot. It sounds like you're talking about out of town uh, interchanges and ones that might be in town. So yes. they sound, they sound, in principle, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, again, I suppose the problem is you're speaking to me, and I think I'm reasonably comfortable with using two wheels. I suppose you need to probably more people need to be. I suppose is this part of the the mobility futures yes. findings. Yeah, yeah, so they so spoke to twenty thousand people. Yeah, and they said right, what would what would be the the best innovations or the ones mm. that you would yeah. most easily adopt. And there are two of them. The third one is autonomous parcel delivery, which we keep hearing about. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. Drones are I coming. Keep, yeah, I keep yeah. looking so to the skies of London. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so my, I got, my son got, mm. a, got a drone for Christmas. And it's, I mean, beyond, apart from it being ridiculously cool and you can take mm-hmm. some great pictures from, it's mad. And I spoke to someone about it and said, so how do you stop a drone interfering with, with planes? So there is a way the app basically has black spots in it. So, again, that's the thing to say about, because one of my fears would have been, aren't lots of planes going to fall out of the sky when people's drones hit the jet stuff? So they can fix that. I mean, it seems to me like a better idea than one guy turning up in a big truck and and, and getting out and delivering his one small, well, quite big parcel with a very small thing inside it. That feels pretty unsustainable. So it's a better idea than a a large truck turning up, I guess. What do you think to sort of the idea of, in fact, even it's less about drones, but it's a bit more about just more central points to pick up all these parcels that yeah. we certainly yeah. get delivered. So, so you know, a self-driving it... delivery vehicle that yeah. you then... I mean, I think so. I mean, I, mm. again, I I think and I'm nerved by the idea of auto- autonomous vehicles, but that's not because I think they're necessarily proven to be dangerous, or at least they're becoming more reliable than humans driving vehicles. So I, I think ultimately that feels like it's got to come, right? I mean, I don't know, but it feels like a, a, a progression that is well, the good kind thing of is inevitable. If, if it does come, we'll all be wearing your helmets. So if anything <laughs> keep goes safe, wrong, keep safe. It's not just yes; it's the autonomous vehicles that are going to knock you down. We will be safe. So, Dom, the last thing I, I think a theme here today has been a lot about so little things that we as business people or as consumers, individuals, citizens, it can can do. Do you have any sort of final thoughts on that in terms of other little things that actually create change? that when we add it all up, hopefully it, it's actually impactful. I mean, nudge is something that's been talked about loads mm. over the years. Mm-hmm. The COI turned into the nudge unit or something, that's what it was. Yeah. And I think it is absolutely true that the 5p levy on plastic bags was a small nudge, but mm. it had a quite significant change in terms of people's behaviours. So as well as the kind of grand central, national local government changes or big businesses doing things, if you can have innovators sitting around going you know what if we did 5p on a plastic bag i'm pretty sure it would reduce people's consumption of plastic bags and i think really in many ways that's exactly what we're trying to do with our product Mm. so if you can combine big systemic change Mm. marketing messages from businesses and from from government with tangible easily adopted behavior change with those kinds of things then that's a pretty good way to go to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit Kantar.com or OxfordFutureOfMarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review 
and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you.